everybody and welcome to another surprising episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and today we're going to be talking about all about magic and all that other awesome stuff. And before we get into that, uh, you're probably wondering why I haven't been releasing any episodes in the past few weeks. And it's been what, like three weeks since my last episode? or so yeah one two three four something like that three or four weeks um took a little break um still not even sure if i'm gonna do this weekly or not just have to see how it goes um definitely been you know trying to step back and think on really what i want to do in terms of content creation and also in terms of even this podcast and even magic the gathering itself uh it was if you looked at my Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash it's a decision I was thinking about for many, many months now. And it's, um, it's, it's just something I've been struggling with to really keep on doing. And I know I've talked about this before on the podcast where, you know, especially when you've been doing something for almost hell, next month is going to be two years for this podcast. And it feels like you're just sort of talking into the void and no one's listening and you know they're you know when especially in the first year you know you sort of think oh you know it's okay you know eventually get there and then in the second year just feels like you're really going nowhere and it it sort of gets to you a little bit where it just feels like well i just keep doing this and no one's listening no one cares so why do i even do this and but you do get the one or two people that reach out and say they like it and you know that's that's awesome you know when i do get people liking it but then you know then there's just silence and you're just like what the fuck am i even doing and then and then it's not even just the people that don't reach out to you it's also just it feels pointless sometimes and i don't know i'm, I'm just rambling on and on but it's it's something that in the even after not doing it for three weeks i found myself god i really want to talk about magic but i've nothing really that interesting to talk about and oh god <laughs> oh god the past few weeks have been freaking insane and um we're just gonna get right into it right now uh rivals of ixalan just released um and i went to the pre-release i only did one event um and went one two drop uh the only one i got was because my opponent decided to quit as soon as the round started, um, wasn't really, I, I didn't, so let me preface this. I didn't do the Ixalan pre-release and I didn't draft Ixalan at all. So I had no idea, you know, coming in what Ixalan was going to be like to draft or even do sealed or limited of any kind. So I'll just put that out there. Uh, Rivals of Ixalan, I was pretty excited about it because I saw some of the dinosaur cards you know, especially dinosaurs and some of the parts. I'm like, okay, this could be interesting. Um, one of the big complaints I had with rivals, at least just with the building of it was sealed. Maybe draft is different. Um, is it just felt very linear. It's either pick a tribe and go. It didn't feel, uh, it's hard to describe. It's if you've see if you've done sealed with other sets it almost feels like you have to sort of figure out a way to make some of these cards work together and do you know come up with a deck an idea and make it work with rivals of ixon at least the pool i got it just felt like oh so i got more pirates than dinosaurs or more pirates than dinosaurs or vampires i guess i'm building pirates now 
and it was just sort of go from there. It didn't, I, it wasn't very exciting for me personally. And, and the games I played, it was very, so, so a, a lot of the cards I I put in my pool or had on my pool, I barely had any flying at all. It was like, I had maybe two or three creatures that flew in my, in my deck that I built because I didn't get a lot of flyers in the colors I played. I played Grixis by the way, because one of the pulls I got was Admiral Beckett brass, the Grixis legendary creature, um, pirate, Admiral pirate. And so I had, I think two or three flyers on my list. And I noticed that every, even though I only played against two people, they only beat me because they had a whole bunch of flyers and I'm like, Oh, okay. So I look at my sideboard with the colors I had and I'm like, I've got like no flyers. I've gotten really no removal except to stop them for a turn, you know, to make them return it to their hand or whatever. And I'm like, I, there's not much I can do. <laughs> and it, it felt like I was really at a loss and just what am I supposed to do with this pool here where I have really nothing? And I look at my other colors because um, I was, was playing three colors. I did have good mana fixing at least with evolving wilds and travelers amulet amulet. And um, what else? It was white and green. First of all, I barely got any white and green seemed very lackluster there's a bunch of merfolk but i didn't have anything to really support merfolk in any of the other colors so it was just very it at least in my very very limited experience with rivals that just one day for a few hours it felt like if you didn't have flyers you're gonna lose and i had like next to no removal because I didn't get any removal. And, and that is one thing that's frustrating with sealed is you could have some really awesome creatures pulled out, but if you don't have anything to support them or anything at all, like I barely got any removal and it's just sort of like, mm, Oh, well, and that, that is one thing that's a little bit better about draft is you have somewhat of a chance to get a little bit better since you're going to see more cards essentially you know, being passed on to, but you know, you live and lose. Um, but yeah, it, I have more to say about rivals of Ixalan a little bit later, but one of the biggest pieces of news I wanted to talk about was the band and restrict announcement. I know by the time this comes out, you're going to hear all about the banner restrict announcement and all the things it has to, you know, do with standard and you know how this changes everything. So if you haven't, by now um so they had on january january 15th they had another ban and restricted announcement and here's what happened four cards were banned in standard this would be the fourth this will be the fourth time that there has been a ban and restrict announcement where standard has been affected in the past two years uh, if we remember back in January of last year, right before Aether Revolt came out, Emrakul the Promised End, Reflector Mage, and Smuggler's Copter was banned. And Aether Revolt came out, and to be honest, Aether Revolt could have probably dealt with at least Smuggler's Copter with Fatal Push. Um, and then there was even some artifact hate being printed in Hour of Devastation and Amonkhet to be able to stop that as well. Um, 
and then a little bit later on, I think it was in April, there was an emergency banning with Felidar Guardian because Sahili Ray and Felidar Guardian basically it was basically Splinter Twin for standard. So there was that. And there was the second banning. That one should Felidar Guardian should not have surprised anyone that that got banned because it was very holy crap. I can't believe they even made this card. Why did why did it even how did it even get passed through QA? Um, I know I've talked about these before on the podcast, but then in May or June, they banned Aetherworks Marvel, which was Aetherworks Marvel was spin to win. Basically, like if you can get Emrakul or well, Emrakul was banned at the time, but when it became a little bit more popular, it was, you know, see if you can get Ulamog or Kozilek out and spin to win, pretty much. That one, uh, I mean... I see why they banned it. Um, if the artifact hate was a little bit more, or if they had more hate for energy, it probably wouldn't have been so bad. But since Watsi did not really design any cards to hate on energy, or and by the time Aetherworks Marvel did become popular with Iron Devastation, they did have a lot more artifact hate than they did before Amonkhet came out. I will say that. Um, so I, I wasn't all that surprised that Aetherworks Marvel did get banned. So then after that got banned, then came the rampant energy decks. Teamer energy, Salti energy, four color energy, with and then Scarab God, along with the four color and Salti energy as well too. So just today, they announced that Attune with Aether, Rogue Refiner, Ramen Up Ruins, and Ram- Rampaging Ferocidon got banned. Uh, Attune with Aether was the one green... Uh, sorcery that allowed you to find a basic land you wanted and gave you two energy rogue refiner was basically a a two energy draw a card creature on a stick spell for three mana one blue and a green and even if it died after it was cast you still got to draw a card and get energy ramen up ruins was the red land that you could sack to deal two damage to your opponent and Rampaging Frostadon is, which is honestly to me the most surprising one, the two and a red dinosaur with menace of 3-3 three, three players can't gain life. And whenever whenever another creature enters the battlefield, Rampaging Frostadon deals one damage to that creature's controller. So, I, I was really hoping they wouldn't ban anything. Yes, I understand the format is rampant. With before before today's banning, the format was rampant with Teamer Energy, Sultai Energy. Even though Four Color was be was going out of the top, it was still played a lot. And then Ramen Up Red was you know th- those were some of the top tier decks out there. And while I get it, I understand why they did because if you read the announcement they go into really big detail about why they banned the cards and how they were thinking of maybe banning oh what if we did whirl of virtuoso or long test cub or aether hub it's i get it it's just this this is showing that either because when kaladesh was printed even if they were thinking of the shorter rotation you know, so so if, if they're still doing the shorter rotation, Kaladesh would have rotated out by Dominaria, and in 
oh god it's just if they knew they were going back on the longer rotation why didn't they print any kind of cards to deal with energy in ixalan or rivals of ixalan they didn't and this is once again i know i have talked about this before last year on the podcast because those first round of bannings i got hit hard i spent a lot of money on the bant flash i built um, because i know blue white flash was really popular at the time i did a bant flash which did pretty good i won a few fnms with um and and i felt like it was it was a really fun deck i got hit hard with that it made me pretty much quit standard for a little bit until i think amon ket came out and um it was it sucked so i've been very very cautious about putting money into standard you know, I, I put very limited money into standard since then. And even, even though I did play teamer energy, even just a few months ago, I, I got really bored by the deck because it's, it's a very boring deck. It doesn't feel, and, and that's the thing that always surprised me was even though like everyone at my LG has played teamer energy or ramen up red, they didn't feel like decks that were really hard to beat. You know what I mean? I could brew up something and beat Team or Energy or Ramen Up Red, even though that was at the casual REL level and not at PPTQs and, you know, GPs and all that wasn't at that level. But I felt like at least at a local level, it didn't feel impossible to beat. Um, so I, I definitely did feel the quote unquote, not really impossible to beat, but at least with you know, back when Emrakul was legal, there was the Aetherworks Marvel and Delirium decks where, oh great, as soon as Emrakul comes out, it's it's pretty much game over at that point. And as, even with Aetherworks Marvel, it's, oh, turn four and they spin the wheel. Yeah, it really feels game over at that point too as well, where it just feels like you're on a ticking time clock. With Teamer Energy and even Ramen Up Red, especially Ramen Up Red, I got so used to that deck where it could just, it was, it's easy to beat, you know, you just basically make them run out of gas and boom, they're done. But of course, you know, it's, um, and then team or energy, it was a very grindy deck, but as long as you know, the deck inside and out and the different ways it plays, it was beatable. Yes. It had a very high percentage of the metagame, but it didn't feel impossible to beat. And that's the thing that I don't understand. Why not wait and see why not wait and have rivals come out to see if anything can, you know, you know, defeat it. You know, why not see if merfolk or vampires or even dinosaur ramp is, can even stand a chance on it. It's they're once again, just swinging the band hammer too quickly when a new set is just about to release, which the only good thing about these bands, which I will say is all four cards that were banned are extremely cheap. Um, I mean, I think the most expensive card on here, oh God, let me look at it. Even though the prices are going to be skewed, I want to say Rampaging Ferocidon is probably the most expensive one. Like I said, I know yeah, Rampaging Ferocidon is like three bucks. Well, now it's going down to like below two, but what was Ramunop? ruins going for i think that was going for like a dollar maybe at the time um oh now it's 20 cents oh i lied but um yeah i mean 
let's say 50 cents at the most. And then, you know, Rogue Refiner and Attune with Aether, those were, let's say for argument's sake, 50 cents each as well, too, even though Attune with Aether is probably like 10 cents. But at least they weren't expensive cards, unlike the first set of bannings back last January with Emrakul and Smuggler's Copter. Smuggler's Copter was, what, maybe five bucks at the time, maybe got up close to 10 at one point, and Emrakul was going anywhere from 20 to 30, if I remember, but it dropped way down when it got banned. Um, so that did hurt a little bit more for people, at least with these bannings, it doesn't hurt as bad. I mean, it, it, it does hurt because it does kill energy decks, at least for now, until someone figures out another variant, perhaps. But, I don't know, I'm just... I feel like this erodes consumer confidence. This is going to make the average player who who doesn't spend a lot of money in standard, but maybe they find that one deck they really like, like Team or Energy, for instance, and they build it and they go to play it. And then, oh, come to find out, oh, the deck's completely done. You can't play it now. And it and while I understand there we're still in this weird sort of mesh where I think Kaladesh Kaladesh and Amonkhet, I, th I can't remember if Amonkhet is included, but I think Kaladesh and Amonkhet are like the last sets that were still being designed for a shorter rotation. If if not Amonkhet, definitely Kaladesh was. And so the whole mentality of design was still going around this shorter rotation before they went back to two-year rotation last year. And... um or yearly rotation instead of six, you know, every six months there's a rotation. And while the new play design team they have that has some pro players on there haven't exact that, you know, they didn't really test these previous sets. It really goes to show that the past few years, Wizards has definitely dropped the ball in terms of, you know, designing these sets and making them work together and. Like I said, like I said earlier, I do understand because they were probably designing them in terms of the shorter rotation. But is if they knew at one point that hey, Kaladesh is going to be here longer than we thought, why not just print a card or something that just kills energy? While solemn solemnity, I'm going to screw that up. Solemnity or whatever the heck does help at least. Oh my god, how do you spell that? Ah, Solomon, Solemnity, or, oh god, I'm going to completely mess it up. The Solemnity, back in Hour and Devastation, you th I thought that was going to see a lot more play where players can't get counters and all that, but that barely sees any play at all. I mean, it's very rare that you even see that get played. It was, there probably should have been some instant removal of energy or something like that. And it's, and since they didn't do that, and you know, it's no surprise that energy still remains strong. And, you know, and like I said, it, it it's scary in a way that, you know, this is probably going to keep happening. And there's, and I hope I'm wrong. I really hope with this new play design team they announced, I think it was last month or two months ago, that. You know, I'm really hoping that, hey, maybe when Kaladesh and Amiket finally rotate out, we're going to start seeing Standard go back to its glory days. Let's actually, 
let's have wizards not be afraid to print cards that are strong, especially strong answers. Let's see Path to Exile back. Let's see Lightning Bolt back. Let's see, you know, Elvish Mystic back. Let's see some of the classic strong cards back. It's it's getting really telling that even though, yes, creatures are way stronger than they were before, creatures are basically creatures are the spells now. Yes, I realize that every card in your hand is a spell, but I mean, they're the spells you want to play. You, It feels like you'd want to play creatures over instants and sorceries now, which I know that's always been the case for the most part, but these creatures are just way too good sometimes. And the answers that we have just aren't enough. It's the answers have gotten way better since Aether Revolt. It's just, it's not enough. It's not enough. We need more. We we need to go back to where, you know, we have the answers, but we have good creatures. We need to realize, you know, we can't just play these creatures for free. There's going to be consequences to them. You know, like, hey, you play that Rampaging for us and an oh, Lightning Bolt in response or Path to Exile in response, you know, or you know, Inquisition of Kozilek, turn one, some shit, you know, we, Wizard just has to realize that we need the stronger answers, and I know I've talked about this so many times before, a lot last year, and it's just, I see us slowly getting there, and I really hope with the return to core sets, I'm, I'm personally really excited about this core set coming out, I think I'm more excited about the core set than going back to Dominaria, because, I'm really hoping we get some much needed answers in this core set, but who knows what the meta is even going to look like, you know, six months from now. So, um, so that's that with the standard bannings, the, I mean, a lot of other people are going to have a lot more other stuff to say about it. It's in one way I'm excited about the meta. It, you know, the meta is going to be wide open, but I'm also afraid that, you know, whatever deck takes Teamer Energy and Ramen Up Red's place, that's going to be the next de the deck that gets the ban hammer. If God Pharaoh's Gift becomes too strong, are we going to ban God Pharaoh's Gift or Gate to the Afterlife? Or are we going to ban Scarab God because that's going to get too strong? Are we going to ban Approach of the Second Sun because that's going to get too strong? Who knows? I'm if I do end up participating in Standard again, I may just rebuild my Jeskai Thopters or build some stupid little dino ramp deck because dinos are fun but i'm just i'm just not gonna put in the money for standard again i mean well i haven't been lately but it's just you know what i mean it's just i i don't want to dive into a tier one deck honestly uh the next thing i wanted to talk about was the cardstock quality and this has been something that has been getting worse honestly and I see reports from people who don't have this issue at all. And, you know, great for you. You know, that's awesome. I mean, I'm jealous in a sense. But it really came to a head that when I went to my Rivals of Ixalan pre-release, the cards I literally had just opened up out of my packs were already warped. They were already curved. They were bent. And, I mean, it didn't make the cards unplayable, but it was just very, very telling where it's like, I literally just opened these and they're already warped and I can probably go back to 
remembering this happening. I don't think it happened during Shadows of Ernestra, but I think I remember it happening a little bit during Eldritch Moon. Kaladesh, yes, it started to become more prominent. Aether Revolt, oh yes, much more. It's pretty much, it didn't become more prominent until I want to say after Aether Revolt. I, I do I do remember noticing it in Kaladesh packs, but Aether Revolt, a hell of a lot. Amonkhet and on, oh my god, it was embarrassing how bad it was. Um, and it's it it sucks pretty much. And and I saw someone on Twitter make a really good statement where you know you know everybody's worried about bannings that are happening. I'm more worried about the cardstock quality than anything. And that that makes me definitely not want to buy physical cards anymore you know i mean i know i'm going to but i'm it doesn't make me want to buy you know even more sealed product and all that because if they're just gonna all come out bent and curved when it's like what's the freaking point you know i still have old cards from third and fourth edition that i got as a kid that are straight as an arrow that have not bent and they still feel brand new you know yeah they're a little bit rough around the edges but i look at the new cards coming out today and they feel all flimsy and stuff. And it's like, what the hell's going on? I, I can, I can forgive the printing errors where the ink may be a little bit too light or too dark or too bold and all that. I can forgive that, that that's that I don't mind. It's, it's the actual card stock they're using is, is worse. I mean, like I said, I, from what I see, this is mainly an American problem. Perhaps I hear people from, um, oh god, like Japan and China. I think maybe, maybe, maybe in the Asian area, they don't have the problem as much. I do. I have seen it in the UK. At least this is just going by Twitter and pe- people posting pictures. Um, but I still see some other parts in the U.S. They don't have this problem at all. I saw. Um, Someone post a picture of a bunch of Rivals of Ixalan cards they just opened this weekend, and they don't look curved at all. And it, fuck, even the promo I got for the pre-release, it was already curved. I'm just, I don't know. It's frustrating, you know. It's like you spend money on something, you're not expecting to, you know, I'm not expecting to make a lot of money back on this. Or if I ever want to sell it, you know, I want to make sure it's in a good standing quality but if it's going to be all curved and bent and that's how they're going to be you know from here and now on it it makes customers lose confidence in it you know that even though i try not to think of magic as a financial game unfortunately it is you know this card that i have this you know i don't know this foil evolving wilds that i have you know hey if someone wants to buy it for five to ten bucks and they look at it and it's like oh it's already warped and curved they're just going to be like no, i don't want it i'd rather just get a you know it from someone else that doesn't have that's not warped and you know and the warping is no fault of my own you know i don't know if it's an environmental thing because me being in here in florida it's a lot more humid and it maybe it makes this new cardstock warp faster compared to other places where they may live in a dry environment i don't know i'm definitely not an expert when it comes to cardstock or anything like that but that has been a thing that you know frankly i've not seen wizards talk about at all and it's it's frustrating you know because it's 
I see so many people complaining about it and yet they just remain silent on it. And it, that is probably the most frustrating thing, most of all. And that goes on to my next topic that I want to talk about in the last topic of the night. And so the last topic of the night is background checks and how Watsi has decided to make magic spaces safer. But before we get into that, let's go over the timeline of the events that have happened here, shall we? So this this whole story began, you know, pull up a chair and, you know, sit down by the fire. And we're going to tell you a little story about how Watsi implemented background checks. So, um, it all started, I think it was what black Friday or during Thanksgiving or black Friday, Christine Sprinkle, um, magic cosplayer. I even saw her at grand prix Atlanta back in November. And apparently said that she was going to quit, uh, doing cosplay for magic. And she came out with a statement um, do I have the statement here? Um, so she, oh, it was on November 24th, which was, I think that was actually Thanksgiving, right? Um, hold on. Let me take a look. No, okay. No, no. That was black Friday. 23rd was Thanksgiving. So on November 24th, Christine Sprinkle magic cosplayer, uh, was saying, she said, I quote, I feel like a terrible person, like I am going through a horrible breakup. I love magic so much, I can't put it into words, but I need my time apart from it. I don't want to become so bitter with one of the things I love. And before I read the next part, I feel very much the same with that, especially when it comes to this podcast. I love magic so much that I almost started becoming bitter about it. And you know, this little three-week break has been good, and we're just going to take it from there. But let me, I just wanted to say that real quick because I, I, I fully agree with that statement, um, except though I'm not going through a whole horrible breakup or anything. Just the first part. No, I, I don't feel like that. Um, but in the second part, she says, and I quote, it has been a rough year and I have blocked and not said anything about him, but I wanted it to die. But without a doubt, MTG headquarters slash unsleeve media has made my life hell this whole year with his unnecessary video slash tweets about me and other members of magic. And after she said that, that turned like Twitter upside down and just how people were saying, you know, we need to ban Jeremy from unsleeve media and all that. So eventually that's what Watsi did. They banned him for life. Um, they gave him a lifetime ban for DCI where he cannot play in any sanctioned magic events for the, and I hate saying this quote unquote alleged harassment because the only, and I, it's, this is going to be slippery slope. It's the evidence that at least Jeremy says that wizards provided him that was harassment. At least it was harassment but it wasn't a lot of it wasn't being directed at her um he did make that one video basically calling what beta white knight cucks or some shit like that about um christine sprinkles fans or whatever and how she's oh fuck i forgot what he said but um and i only say alleged because that's pretty that's from the proof that we see now i personally I mean, not that I've ever been affected by his harassment or anything, but I personally have seen him go after people, um, many, many people in the magic community just over the smallest things. I mean, 
I mean, just just look at a lot of his videos on MTG headquarters slash unsleeved media or the quartering channels, and you'll see exactly what I mean. Um, so, I mean, he pretty much had what was coming to him. I don't agree with anything he has really done in terms of the harassment or any crap like that. And it it was it was very interesting watching the whole thing go down because even and it's it's sort of like a double-edged sword he he was harassing a lot of people and then as soon as sprinkle announced that it's like the whole force of magic twitter just went after him and started harassing him even to the point where a lot of people were giving him death threats and you know threatening him and his wife and all that talking about jeremy here and that's completely unwarranted and i'm surprised but not really that wizards hasn't done anything about that but i mean who the hell knows uh, we're not getting all into that so so that was the fir- that was the first thing that happened and then and after that jeremy was going on a tirade and crusade that you know he's going to go and get all this dirt on watsy employees and watsy the company and all the other magic personalities out there and he was calling it like his bust the bullies video campaigns he was going after other people and then he creates this gmail called watsy ask for this at gmail.com trying to get dirt on anybody in watsy and all that and then apparently at some point in the middle of december he gets an email talking about um alleged pedophiles in the judge community and i remember you know watching this and it was very, very um, convincing because he wasn't just going on saying, you know, hey, this is, um, you know, so-and-so judge is a pedophile and all this stuff. No, he was actually providing proof that, hey, this person was a judge, judged at this event and was convicted and arrested for child pornography or possession of or, you know, indecent behavior of, you know, um, you know, sexual offense or sexual offenders, whatever the crimes were. And it was really, really concerning at the time when I was watching this, like, oh shit, this is pretty crazy. But none of it was really showing, not that any of it was showing proof or it wasn't even showing a conspiracy. It was just showing, oh crap. So, you know, I never really thought about this before that these judges were apparently never background checked in terms of whenever they do tournaments like Grand Prix or pptqs or rptqs or you know star city opens i thought i had i mean i knew the judge program was a community run program but i didn't know they didn't background check anybody you know at that time i would think you know when you're working with children even though that they're not there are probably less children competitively playing magic than you know, there are adults. I mean, you're still having to deal with children, though. That That's the thing that really surprised me when coming to find out about that. So he was showing these people, but there was really no silver bullet, so to say. I mean, yes, he was showing all these judges that were no longer active judges, but just and to me, the one thing I got out of it that from those videos he made were that, oh, shit, I guess I never really thought about that. And, you know, is 
is Wizards or the judges even going to do anything? I mean, is there anything actively going on or, or are they just going to sort of put this at the wayside? Now, I don't agree with what Jeremy, how Jeremy was going about it. He was acting like, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. You know, Watsy and the judges are in on this and going on and on about it. And it was just a little, little bit too much for me. And then Elaine Chase, uh, the vice president of Wizards of the Coast. Hold on. I'm going to announces this statement back on January 2nd of this month saying recently misinformation circulated on social media regarding wizards policies events staffing and magic judges safety at magic events is our top priority we have a zero tolerance policy for sex offenders our standard and long-standing practice is to suspend offenders from the DCI and or remove stores from the WPN Magic Judges, a fan-run community and separate from Watsi, regularly post anniversary blogs, which sometimes include erroneous, erroneous, erroneous bleh, anniversaries for former judges not currently certified either because of lapsing certification or active decertification due to conduct. Retailers and TOs are responsible for staffing events they run and are required to comply with all laws. We will continue to work with retailers and TOs to ensure safe and inclusive communities. Proper channels for reporting misconduct, judges' misconduct to the judge conduct community, and they say the Gmail and retailer or player misconduct to investigations at Wizards. So that response to a lot of these accusations were just sort of, it at least from my person, I just sort of felt like Watsy was just sort of like, okay, yeah, you need to report it to us. There's really nothing going on here. You know, they're trying to shovel it, you know, cover it under the rug or whatever, you know, brush it under the rug. But then another article came out that, um, now I, I don't know the whole relationship between Jeremy and this, this author, this Lou Cola Giovanni. I'm probably completely butchering that. So he was one. He first wrote an article um, talking about the whole um, how Jeremy got banned from magic and went into like went into a lot of detail about it. Just trying to show exactly what harassment Jeremy um, was doing to Christine Sprinkle. I'm not getting into that first article because that's not really the the topic at hand here and if you really want to find them you, you can just search for them it, search for that lou guy but the the next article that lou puts out second article titled magic the pedophile conspiracy which that was really really damning about the judge ross prajner prajner um where they showed and this to me, this is what convinced me that, okay, yeah, they need background checks at this point, that something needs to be done. There needs to be a better policy put in place for this because so just go over who Ross Prajner is. He's a, he, he was at least an avid MTG player and judge who judged at least seven magic events from 2012 through 2016 in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. He was Prajner was caught distributing child pornography on October 3rd, 2013 and was forced to register as a sex offender in Pennsylvania. And what's damning about this is this Lou guy actually shows evidence and public court documents of Ross Prajner's charges of child pornography back in October 6th, 2013. Or no, he no, he was arrested 
um, on October 3rd. And I think he was officially charged on October 6th. I think that's how it reads with a $25,000 bail or something like that or 50,000. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't really understand public documents and all that. So I'm just sort of going away. So he was faced with a prison sentence of seven to 14 years for possession and dissemination of child pornography. He had a plea bargain struck that allowed Prajnir to avoid spending 14 years in jail. And he pleaded on November 24th, 2014. He pleaded guilty to two felonies, sexual abuse of children and possessing child pornography. Prajner's sentencing was deferred until the Sexual Offender Assessment Board could assess if he was a sexually violent predator. He was found to be a predator of the nonviolent variety, which is not a conciliation worthy of a claim. Uh, I'm not going to really get into lose um, when he goes off on his own little tangents. I just want to go over the facts here. I only care about the facts. Um, so in February of 2015, Judge Wendy Demchik Ally or Ali gave Prajner three to 23 months in jail and he was allowed to serve his time on the weekends. During his sentences, um, the judge did not attempt to hide her condemned. I want to see you inside a jail cell so you understand this is your life if you ever do this again. Uh, apparently, that's what she said and quoted in an article. Um, so, what's what's damning about this? So, he was sentenced in February 2015. Um and then he goes on and says on September 7th through the 8th in 2013, Prajner judged a Star City Open Series in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which was only 25 days before the first pornographic picture of a child was downloaded off his computer by a detective. Okay, so he judged about a month before he was originally arrested in 2013. Yeah, because he was arrested in October 3rd and... He, um, so I guess he, I guess he was arrested and posted bail. Um, and his next appearances as he attended a judge conference in Chant Chantilly, Virginia on November 15, 2013, which was a mere 16 days after police raided his house and arrested him. Uh, he also went to another judge conference in Richmond, Virginia on March 7th, 2014 as well. His next appearances as a judge were in Somerville, New Jersey at a PTQ event on April 6th, 2014 and April 9th, 19th, 2014. He judged another PPT PTQ in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. Um, and then he was a judge at another Star City Games Open Series in Somerset, New Jersey on May 24th to 25th. And then he was a judge again at August 2nd to 3rd, 2014. And this is where he was already arrested. And I don't think he was officially convicted. Or no, on November 24th. So he wasn't officially convicted yet. So I don't, I'm not sure if anything would have been on his record during this time. So, it, I mean, if anybody knows the law, I mean, I barely know the law, so I'm just going by what I think would have happened. So, let's say even if they were doing background checks at this time, if he didn't plead guilty until November 24, 2014, wouldn't a rest charge, an arrest charge, yeah, would have showed up on his background check. Um, Yeah, I, I guess it would have maybe. I guess it depends on what state. Um. 
But even so, this is where it gets a little bit damning. Even after his felony conviction back in November 2014, he was back judging magic tournaments on January 31st, 2015 in Mount Holly, New Jersey. Um, perhaps the vap vapidus of readers would have argued previously Prajner was not yet convicted when he judged earlier MTG tournaments, regardless of evidence was found in his own, but even if they would force to agree, this scenario is ghastly. Yes, it is that even after he was arrested, he was still, um, judging but like i said even if he wasn't convicted yet it would not have shown i don't think it would have the final recorded appearance of prajner as an mtg judge would not be for 19 more months on july 31st 2016 in philadelphia if the gap of time gives one pause there is a reason you know magic tournaments are always on the weekends and he was unable to attend tournaments because he was serving time every weekend beginning february 2015 um so what gets even more interesting, that even even if you looked at the suspended DCI memberships, uh, even before he, you know, be, you know, before this all blew up and he was given a lifetime ban, he was not banned. So what gets even more interesting, th this is where the silver bullet is for me personally, is on June 24, 2017, which was eight in what eight seven months ago now um <clears throat> ross pajner made a special appearance to long island new york um to uh to a magic open um so and then he ross pajner attended and crossed paths with former tournament host travis laplante which would set up the breakthrough findings of a pedophile cover-up in the mtg community which they call it a cover i just coming i really don't think it was a cover but i think it was a big fuck up from the judges but but this but this is where it really goes to show that because they need background checks at some point um so apparently lou conducted an interview with the plant and he says prajner cheated and he went on to accuse the tournament's judge elliot raff of taking prajner's side laplante described the situation at the tournament table um, talking about how he told the head judge the facts and basically, um, you know, he was calling Ross a cheater, Ross Prejner a cheater. And, um, you know, basically the judge didn't take his, take his side of the story. Um, so saying LaPlante was telling the truth, Prajner indeed lied during the tournament. One look at the official registry shows he used his full name. However, if one looks at the seventh round form procured by the manadrain.com owner, Andy Pro Probasco, they will see Prajner intentionally misspelled their own name. We all do this. Um, yeah, so he missed, he intentionally, well, we don't know if he intentionally misspelled his own name. Um, so apparently, uh, the LaPlante guy went and talked to the, one of the tournament organizers, Nick Detwiller, and they had a long conversation talking about, um, I guess apparently Travis LaPlante looked up Ross's name and saw that he was arrested for child pornography. Um, him and Nick went and talked on about it. Basically, basically, um, eventually this was all back in June of 2017, by the way. And it looks like, uh, Travis did report this to the judges, but nothing was ever done 
essentially, without getting into more details about it. I'm sure you're getting bored of hearing it. So when Lou and Jeremy uncovered this, this is this was the smoking gun for me that they obviously he while he wasn't a violent sex offender, he was a sex offender, registered sex offender and still judged even after getting convicted. He was still allowed to play. Um, and what's damning about this, what Travis did was he reported it to the judges and they did nothing. Now the judges claim that they screwed up. They didn't do anything about it or, or they intentionally ignored it. I don't know what they did. So after this came out, so the, the first set of stories with the first set of judges that Jeremy uncovered, that was pretty, that was pretty crazy. That kind of made me go, Whoa, what the fuck is going on here? But this, next one about Rosh Prajner that was like okay something needs to be done now and so yeah the silver bullet and um so then Watsi finally releases this statement about making magic spaces safer the safety of magic events is of paramount importance to us recently a few former judges and players had their sex offender status posted to social media <coughs> excuse me in accordance with our policy, the majority had already had already had their access to magic organized play suspended indefinitely and were not active in the magic community. We learned, however, that an individual reported to the judge conduct committee was inadvertently not decertified by magic judges nor reported to wizards. Talking about Ross Prajner here. You can read more about that here and they link to the judge article talking about Ross. Uh, however, once this was brought to our attention, Wizards immediately coordinated with Magic Judges, an independent community-run organization that operates and manages the judge community and its judge conduct committee. That's <laughs> definitely a sentence that the lawyers had to probably read and reread like, okay, yeah, we're, we're not liable here to address the situation. That individual has now been indefinitely suspended as a player and the Magic Judges decertified the individual status as a Magic Judge. When Wizards learns that a DCI member or a Wizards Play Network retailer is on a sex offender registry, we take immediate action to remove them from organized play and our promotional programs. We have a zero tolerance policy. Sex offenders have no place in the magic community. As part of as part of our commitment to safe and inclusive spaces, tournament organizers and retailers will be explicitly required to conduct background checks for all staff as permitted by applicable law. This includes Channel Fireball events, Grand Prix, local store events like Friday Night Magic, and professional events like the Pro Tour and World Magic Cup, as well as convention play run by Wizards. And they go on to say, we remain committed to working with tournament organizers to foster safe and inclusive environments, yada, yada, yada. And just emails to report misconduct and all that. So that felt like a win for people who really want background checks. And that felt like a win for me personally. Um, come to find out that um, that the the whole thing with stores needing to run background checks but the and the one thing I I think I gleaned from the stores having to run background checks was if wizards request you know if there's an actual um uh where is it so Oh God, I, I can't remember where to find the actual um, link for it. But if I remember correctly, uh, there was a, another article on Wizards websites for WPN retailers where if Wizards request, like they hear misconduct happening, if they request 
that, hey, you need to send us background checks or something or prove that you've done background checks on your employees, then you you have to provide that or you'll have your WPN status revoked for it. So that's what I understand from that. It's not that every LGS has to run background checks for their staff, at least, but it almost sounds like they have to do it if they do um, at least PPTQs or at least for judges. Anytime they have to use a judge, which, like I said at the beginning of this, I was surprised to learn that they didn't even do any background, especially Grand Prix and Opens and even Pro Tours. I mean, I guess, you know, working in corporate environments for pretty much all my working career, I'm used to background checks, right? It's, it does suck because I have interviewed some people that would have been really good for a position I had open and I couldn't hire them because they said they had a really bad background, you know, like they got arrested and had felons before. And unfortunately I can't do anything about my HR policy. If they tell me, Hey, we can't hire felons. I can't hire felons, you know, but you would think at least with sex offenders, wizards would have, I mean, I I don't know. It's, it just surprised me that they've never done this before. And, that, you know, since they have such a zero tolerance policy for sex offenders, who knows how many are still out there walking in our midst when we're at a GP or open or anything, you know, it, it's kind of troublesome in a way. And, and I don't just mean pedoph- pedophilia and all that. I mean, what also just what about other, you know, the, the regular normal <laughs> sex offenders? I mean, I don't know what the fuck to call them or anything. It's 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 worrisome. And it's, you know, I'm glad they're doing this. It, it does suck for people who may be sex offenders that are judging right now and come to find out they can no longer judge. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that that sucks, but you know what? I mean, wizards has to maintain a public image here and I don't agree with them on a lot of things on a lot of things, but this, I do agree with them on and it's only smart PR to do so for them to do it. And, um, yeah. So I think I've rambled on long enough here and I've probably made everybody fall asleep. But um just want to thank you all for listening here. And yeah, hope you enjoyed the show and you know, I hope you have some good pulls this weekend when you're drafting Rivals of Ixalan. All right. Have a good night everybody. <laughs>